Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Today is Thursday, May 18th, 2023, and this is your host, of course, Mike Abadir, sitting alongside my main man, Pop DiBiase, getting ready for a pretty big sports weekend. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking with you all about it. So let's get right to it, Pop. We got some NBA action, conference finals, interesting paths for both teams in both conferences getting there. I want to start with the East because we have a play-in team in the Miami Heat that have exceeded all expectations, definitely have outrun their odds, and are three games away from the NBA Finals. What's your take on how the Heat have been able to do this, besides maybe Butler being the hottest NBA player in this playoff? Well, why don't we go ahead and just be honest here? Um, The Lakers and Heat are kind of like the same situation. Um, Two teams that had very inconsistent first halves of the season that turned it on in the second half of the season. The Heat won the Southeast Championship. They're not your typical A seed. I've been saying that since day one of the playoffs. I don't feel like they exceeded any expectations because this team was the number one seed in the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs uh, last year. All what happened was that they had an inconsistent season and a bad division and wound up having a year where they had to literally, you know, scrape themselves into the playoffs. And that just goes to show you how great of a season the NBA had because the Eastern Conference was – really tough a a lot of those teams really got ahead early if you look at it all three of the top seeded teams all had uh the advantage when it came to uh home court advantage if they made the finals so you had a strong group in the eastern conference as is and then i just feel like you know the heat could have caught up and got the four or the five or the six if they weren't so inconsistent jimmy butler is a guy that wasn't healthy all season either. Jimmy Butler damn near missed a whole month of a se- of the season. Nobody's talking about that. And I really feel that having Kevin Love come over and choose the Miami Heat should have told everybody something that everybody likes what the Heat are about. Kyle Larry coming over last year was was big because that helped him become the one seed. But it's even bigger this year because when they went through their little controversy, when they went through their little uh, you know, this this little slide that they had, Kyle Larry kept guys positive, things of that nature. So Larry, Larry and, and Kevin Love are so vital to this team because they're championship winners. They're recent championship winners as well, too. Then you got a great coach in Spolster that coaches everybody up. He doesn't have to coach stars up. He coaches the team up. And that's what's what's very critical to me. And nobody's talking about the big effort that Bam Adebayo has. Bam Adebayo is one of the best uh, two-way players in the NBA. Jimmy Butler is one of the best two-way players in the NBA. When these two are on on any night, they can beat any team in the NBA. So the Heat Exceeding expectations, in my opinion, not really. They 
pretty much showed exactly who they are and that pretty much that they are a team to be reckoned with. Let's not forget what they did last year. I know this year is a whole new season. It's a whole new situation. But like I said, from day one when these playoffs started, seeds are so irrelevant to this year's playoff. It's about who is about matchups and who really is determined to get to that Larry O'Brien trophy. Everybody has turned on their bubble mentality in this uh, playoff, in my opinion, Mike. Hey, let me ask you about something that you were just uh, talking about. You said Spolstra is coaching them up. What does that mean? That means that Spolstra is making sure that he stays on the non-stars of the world. You know what I mean? The guys like Duncan Robinson, the guys like um, the guys like Struess and others. He's making sure that they're still confident when they come in the game. This was a big big factor in the big three being so good in Miami for all those years as well, too. LeBron, Bosh, and Wade didn't need a coach. They just needed somebody to make adjustments for them. But everybody else needed to be coached up and be prepared and be ready and be accountable for things. And that's exactly what Spolster did with that group, and that's exactly what Spolster has done with every group that he's had since that group left as well, too. He's going to let the stars be the stars and do what they have to do. But he always has some good veterans there to to be in the young guys' ears, and he is always there to coach up guys that a lot of people see as middling basketball players or guys that are below average players, and they play to a certain uh, to a certain level because the way he coaches them and the way that he believes in them. But he they have to be accountable players when you're dealing with Eric Spolster. It's a certain type of player that plays for Spolster. It's not about um you the the having fancy objects and fancy things and names. It's about the players that fit your system. And that's exactly what Spolster is been doing for years. And he's that's why he's been so successful down there in Miami as well, too. He knows the ins and outs of that franchise. He knows the ins and outs of that team. And he knows exactly what it takes to be in a Miami Heat. And you know that their whole image changed when LeBron James came over there. So we still had to give them that respect that they're one of the better teams in the NBA. When you do championship ring check, they are in the group. It does not matter. This team has went to five finals in the last um, 13 years. Nobody, who's mentioned that? Nobody. They've been to the most finals out of anybody other than the Cleveland Cavaliers in the um, Eastern Conference over the last uh, uh, 13 years. I'm just counting from the time that they got LeBron until now. And so pretty much this team, and you look at it in a 20-year stretch, 15, 16-year stretch, they've been to the finals. Uh, they've been to the finals actually six times because you got to count the first one that they ever won. So wait, so it sounds it sounds like you're you're ready to put Spolster into the Hall of Fame. Well, I'm not going that far yet, but you know, he 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 was able to coach up star players and former stars, veterans that didn't have to listen to him, but we can't give Spolster the credit for the first team because he wasn't their coach. Riley was the coach. Yeah, I remember Van Gundy got fired and then they let uh Riley had to take over. Shaq Shaq couldn't stand Van Gundy. They failed in the uh, conference final. Pat Riley takes over. They win the NBA finals. Next season, they come back. They get put out early in the playoffs. Shaq starts to show his age, and then it's over. I hear you. But you know what? In, in favor of that argument, 
if he's been the most successful head coach in the NBA in the last 13, 14 years, and we'll go ahead and judge success based on getting to the finals, let's just say, and having at least one ring, then Spolstra checks the box of the rare few that have been able to do it with two different groups of players. Right, right. right? Like Phil, Phil Jackson's done it with two, you know, obviously not on the same team, but, you know, the Bulls and the Lakers. Uh, but it's a very small fraternity of head coaches that have been able to take their team to their the finals or win a championship with two different groups, different generations of, of NBA players. So I think that would bode in favor of Eric Spolstra being considered a Hall of Famer. Whether he is or not, he's done a tremendous job. I think he's highly underrated. And it took me a while to appreciate the former video coordinator. But uh, this guy clearly has demonstrated he belongs in that seat and uh, is probably going to be hailed amongst the all-time greats. He'll definitely solidify that position if he wins three more games this year. Well, you know what? You got a good point on Hall of Fame. I feel like he's in that group of coaches that have been able to have a system that gets that's a successful system but within mm -hmm. the system is the culture and that's what he's created they created a great culture in miami him and pat riley so pretty much he yeah he's in a rare group of coaches that literally you have the owner's trust a lot of these coaches don't have the owner's trust because they have these expectations that they want to chase. And once those expectations aren't met and they're over here killing their, their salary cap and they're not getting the results that they want, then coaches get fired. That's why you saw Monty Williams get fired. That's why you saw Budenholzer get fired because these coaches literally are, are they have these stacked strapped up teams that really don't want to go over the luxury bill but they're doing it so then they can win an NBA championship when you don't pull that off you the first person you look at is the coach you're not going to make the players accountable I feel like Phoenix was made a big mistake because the coach just got Kevin Durnett, Durant you let him have a year with Durant and see if you guys can actually win a title the chemistry got thrown off because there was key players that got traded in the Durant deal so let the coach get used to Durant and build a roster that's going to be feasible for Durant and Booker because you know that this coach took you straight out the garbage. You guys were a terrible team and a terrible franchise. But at the same time, too, though, the coach showed that he could – the coaches showed that in a big pressure situation, it's just not him. So it happens. It happens. Budenhoser didn't make adjustments. It didn't even matter that he won an NBA championship because he's wasting who people feel are the best is the best player in the league. And you can't lose in the first. You can't keep losing to the Miami Heat. That's just what that was as well too. And then Nick Nurse. That was just a coach that was tired. I feel him. He was just tired because you got a general manager who thinks he's the star of the team. That's what the biggest problem is. Nobody ever calls that guy out, but that guy thinks that he's Jerry West reborn, and it's like, no, you're not, buddy. You're just a, you're just another general manager. You got really lucky that you traded for Kawhi Leonard and you won a championship. It's that simple, dude. It's not he didn't do anything spectacular. Any GM would have been able to be blessed with the championship the year that they traded for Kawhi Leonard because he was at his absolute best at that point. So pretty much there's a lot of fugazi GMs that get coaches fired. That's my point, um, Mike, you know, at the end of the day. So pretty much 
I truly do feel Spolster did a great job of making sure that team was 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 did quit and they kept playing and they were able to get a great win because they just outgritted and outgrinded the Celtics. And when you drop 46 points in a quarter, Mike, yeah, it's like that. You outscored them by 21, cut the lights out. Even though the game was still close, cut the lights out because literally they just they just went ahead and showed Boston that you're gonna have to take us seriously on every single possession. You can't be you can't be over here resting thinking that you've already beat us because when we get down we get even more motivated. But Boston's a team that needs to be have their back against the wall to wake up. That's the whole thing. They got to have a little bit of drama to really be able to uh, to get where they want to get. This seems like that's what Boston truly feeds off of as well, too. So this is a great series. I wasn't surprised by the uh, the game one win by the Heat. The Heat have won every single game one in this playoff as well, too. And they've surprised the home team the same exact way with a great Jimmy Butler effort. And I'm going to just end it with this. When you get four of your guys, two of them on the bench and two starters, that all get 15 points apiece, that's 60 extra points right there to go with the 54 that Jimmy and Bam supplied. That's an absolutely incredible uh, situation. And those teams are very hard to beat. When you look at the score at the end of the game is 123 to 116 that group that those six players supply 114 of those points absolutely incredible so great job tip the cap to the heat but this is going to be a long series as well too they stole their uh their role they stole the role game that they needed now boston will probably bounce back tomorrow and have a big game and they'll go from there let's talk about boston for a quick second because you know before the season there was expectations and they had their coach, uh, Yudaka, and they uh, were expected to be a contender this year. Obviously, there was some uh, off-court issues. And so Joe Mazzula had to step in as the interim head coach. And he probably wouldn't have dreamt it, but he was the NBA All-Star Game head coach just a couple of months ago, which is crazy when you think about it. He led the team to... Uh, you know, uh, one of the best records, in, if not the best, in the NBA. And I had to look up his background, Pop, because I was like, where did this guy come from? So this guy was at Glanville State. I mean, Glenville State. I don't even know where the hell that is. Fairmont State. Also don't know where the hell that is. Then he was with the Maine Red Claws. And I only know where it is because it has the name Maine in it. And then he went back to Fairmont State. And then the Boston Celtics. I mean, I don't know how they, they scouted this guy out. But, man, big props to my man Joe for stepping in and doing a bang-up job, man. Like I said, I don't even know where this guy came from. He wasn't like a big-time college head coach or anything like that. So but definitely have to, but definitely have to give credit to the Celtics also for discovering him. Right. Real quick, though. But he was a really good college basketball player. I'm trying Wait, to think. Yes. Yeah, uh, it was either West Virginia with Bobby Huggins or it was George Wise. But Joe Mazzula was a you, you got you got it right. You got it right. It's it's yeah. West Virginia with Bobby Huggins. Yeah, and he was a tournament star. Joe Mazzula was a straight dog. You know what I mean? And Joe Mazzula was a guy that had NBA heart, but not the NBA measurables. You know what I mean? He had the right, right. NBA 
brain, but he just didn't have the measure. I was just arguing with a guy about the NBA earlier, and he told me that, well, they all don't have awareness and IQ. I said, they're not even going to let you get past fucking uh, the uh, college uh, practice team if you don't have IQ and awareness, dude. Shut up. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, don't ever talk to – don't ever tell a basketball coach what it takes to get to, to, to the level. I was a coach for 10 years. I know what it takes to get to the level. So pretty much – you know, there's there's a lot of things that Missoula does well because he's a player's coach and he's a guy who actually played the game in recent times. So he's able to communicate the right way with these guys because he gives them the big brother angle. Udoka was more like a, 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 a great dictator. He was an NBA player who had a lot of great knowledge from guys like Pop and Phil Jackson and things like that. He was a bench player, all that good stuff. But he was also a guy who was able to turn into a coach, build his resume up, get himself a great job with the Celtics. Then he messed it up because he wanted to be uh, Boris Kudrow instead of focusing in on his team. So <laughs> it happens. So pretty much uh, – yeah. he, he, bit, he bit from the poisonous tree, the one tree that you were told you can't eat from this tree. And he was just too intrigued. Couldn't couldn't let it go. Right, but, because it's it's a power trip. That's the yeah, whole thing. Absolutely, man. And that's why it's a forbidden fruit. But yep. on that note, uh, you know, we let's take a quick commercial timeout right now. We'll come back, talk about the other conference finals matchup between the upstart Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. And we'll talk some MLB, we'll talk some preakness, all after this follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts sports continues to grow and evolve to ever increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the second segment of the Mike Abadir Show. During the break, we were actually talking a little horse racing kind of warming up a little bit for the Preakness this weekend and for the Black Eyed Susan tomorrow. Uh, we're talking a little bit of Belmont. And so for those who are playing or listening live, the number five won the finale at Belmont Pop. Uh, Queens over threes. Rudy Rodriguez, Jamie Torres. Uh, second was uh, Gotham Gray, the sixth. Flavian Pratt for Christopher Clement. The third horse was the four, Dance With Me, Babe, Kendrick Carmouche, and Michelle Nevin. That's a cool uh, $850 trifecta there. And the horizontals paid really well. The pick three, 1100 The pick four, 1375 The pick five, 27 Gs. So quick, quick Belmont update for you. And... Uh, we're going to get to the Preakness, but let's first talk about the Lakers and the Nuggets. You you said it earlier, Pop. The Lakers weren't consistent, and they weren't consistent, and they couldn't find their consistency. But the whole time, LeBron was kind of like an Aaron Rodgers, kind of like, relax, everyone. And he really uh, – this is maybe one of his best field general on-court jobs – coaching a team while he's a player i feel in his career where he's really really been like a true team leader and done a phenomenal job at doing so he's brought together the team they've all kept the faith and uh you know they're they're right there in contention to get to the finals and they may be going up against a more talented team but the lakers kind of have an it factor what are your thoughts well real quick mike I'm gonna. I'm gonna I, I, I was. I'm over here just looking at my at the race card right now. I'm gonna get to the Lakers in a second. But okay. Like, I feel like the guy at the at the in the dungeon of Santa Anita just punching the air right now. Like, why didn't I have the damn eight and six in, in, in the seventh race? Damn it! I'm looking at well, looking at the rent right now. Get uh, paid out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was the race uh, that the uh, Javier. Yeah, man, which call because I didn't have the eight horse. So but I had the winner of the ninth race, Mike. So I'm like, golly. I had the winner. Three out of four is tough, brother. Huh? Three out of four is tough. I know. And then I don't like to have the woulda, coulda, shoulda mentality, but it's just like, oh, dungeon. (laughs) 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 Yeah, those were good payoffs, especially when you consider in the very first leg. It started right. off with a three dollar ninety cent, you know, four to five winner. But Mike, don't you have you ever seen the guy just walking through the parking lot talking to himself? Why did I put that in? Why did I put that in? Oh my yeah. god! What am I gonna do when I get home? Because you know that was the rent money. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I hear that, man. That's a tough. Two about to go off in fifteen minutes. Tough, tough sledding, brother. But uh, you'll you'll come back and make up for it, hopefully big time this weekend. No big, no uh, big. 
Oh, Biggie, it's horse racing, man. It's just a $36 investment that I lost. It's all good. It's cool. Don't it's worry. About, it's about, but it's about what you could have won and not the, the loss. I get but, that because I'm a player, you know? We're not from the land of what it could have, should have. It, it's we move on. We got tomorrow. So it's all good. But let's get to the Lakers. Sorry. I just want to kind of just put my two cents on what you had just announced. But Well, that's all good because today has kind of a horse racing feel, which we haven't had a chance to really do as much as probably you and I would like in terms of incorporating horse racing, even leading up to the Derby. You know, we talked about the Derby race uh, just for a few moments. Uh, yeah. But, you know, this is definitely one of our passions. We're going to try to incorporate it more during the summer months because, you know, there's still two legs of the Triple Crown available. You got the Haskell. And then, of course, you got the big summer meets with Del Mar and Saratoga. So, We'll, we'll have some racing talk as we move forward. And you can also listen to Pop's Horse and Around show. Uh, you could look up Pop DiBiase on Twitter for more information on when the show times are. But let's get back to the NBA. Let's get back to the Lakers and the Nuggets. Uh, I was just talking about LeBron done, done a good job keeping the, the glue together for this team. Uh, but they may be up against a, just a more talented squad. What are your thoughts? See, yeah, everybody's just like, you know, I think they're just more – everybody wasn't saying this in the last series. They was they was they they thought that Denver was dead to rice to Phoenix. So, you know, and then this this whole thing about, oh, my God, I've never seen a player play like this. So we never saw Shaq go 30-20. We never saw David Robinson go 30-20. We never saw Hakeem go 30-20. We never saw uh, Brad Doherty go 30-20. We ne- Dude, shut up. This is what big men do when they dominate. Seriously. Let's not be in awe of big men dominating and doing their job just because they're finally passing the big man the ball. Well, they let the big man control the whole pace of the team because that's absolutely what basketball is supposed to be about. The reason why the uh, the Denver Nuggets look so good is because they played with monster effort to start that game off. And that's what rebounding defense is all about is effort. It's not about any – you switching over here, you going over here, and you going over there. It's all about effort. It's all about being relentless. If you want to be relentless, you're going to play great defense. You're going to be a great rebounder. And that's exactly what Jokic did. He was relentless on the boards. He made sure to establish himself early. But he had no answers for uh, AD. AD dropped 40 on him. Um, he, he got his 34, 21, and 12 absolutely gem of a performance he showed that he why he's the two-time mvp he showed why his team is the number one seed but everybody's really in enthralled with the nuggets because they're so selfless it's not about who the star is it's about winning the basketball game Jokic could give a shit about being the star he could care less about your all-star game he could care less about your mvp trophy he just wants a ring you want guys like that on your team. They are the players that we that truly need to be called legends, not just because you can hit a good jump shot and dunk a basketball. Legends do what Jokic is doing. So Jokic is playing at a level right now that just seems so elite. But, big-ass but, it don't matter what people say, don't matter what people think, Michael Jordan ain't played – at a high level since 1998. So let's stop talking about that dude uh, for for the moment. 
Let's go ahead and embrace what we have right in front of us. LeBron James, the greatest player of the 21st century. 21st century, Mike, not the 20th century, 21st century. When they go ahead and do it in the year 2100, when they do the next sports century, LeBron will be the number one athlete. Pretty much point blank. He's Babe Ruth of our time right now. So LeBron James just being out there and being a part of this series makes it to where they're going to elevate the Nuggets to a level of this, this unbeatable team because they got to put more obstacles in front of LeBron. When you have LeBron and AD, you have the, whatever Trump, Trump card that you need, in my opinion. So the Lakers aren't in a bad spot. It's just that the Nuggets show that they're a great team. The Lakers had to have to make adjustments. They made the adjustments. This is an easy fix, Mike. You can let Murray and Jokic go off as much as they want to, but you cannot let KCP get 21 points. You cannot let Bruce Brown get 16 points. You just can't let that happen. Once again, they were a their whole starting five scored in double figures plus Bruce Brown. So they had six guys in double figures. The Lakers had four. In the new NBA, it has you have to have five or more in double figures and you win the game. If you have a guy, if you have four or less in double figures, you usually these teams are losing. So I just feel like if the Lakers can take away a Casey tonight, if they can take away Bruce Brown tonight, if they can uh, keep contain Aaron Gordon on his little 14 points he's going to get. Um, also, the X-Factor MPJ needs to be checked as well, too. And you just let Murray and Jokic kill you. The Lakers can run away with this one. They have to play great defense. They have to rebound, and they got to take – they have to shut down the supporting cast. You're not going to do anything with Jokic, okay? Jokic is going to get his numbers. You're not going to stop that. But you can keep Murray in check, and then you can shut down the rest of them. It's been done before. The Lakers and Nuggets are split this season. So that's why I say this is not a tough game for the Lakers to win tonight. And keep this, Mike, the Lakers' first win of the season was in Denver this year. So they're not scared of Denver, and they're not scared of Denver in Denver. We've been at this movie before, and I'm going to keep it real with you. That team that Kobe played, what, 10, 12 years ago, that team might have been tougher than the team that the Lakers are playing right now. But the Lakers have a better unit than Kobe had at that time as well, too. And this is a championship winning team. So, you know, my whole thing is like this. If the Lakers take away the extra player, the, if the Lakers take away the role players, they're going to be in good shape. But if they don't pick up the, if they don't tighten up, if they don't win the, the war on the boards, if they don't, they don't, you know, use their brains, then they're in trouble. They can't stand around. They have to play defense tonight. They got to sacrifice points for great defense tonight. It's that simple, Mike. And there it is. Good stuff there, man. So I guess before we go, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, solidify my prediction. Um, I'm going chalk. Sorry, uh, long shot players. I still see the Celtics and the Nuggets as the two best teams in each of the conference, respective conferences, and they'll meet up in the NBA Finals, and it'll be a tremendous NBA Finals. What are your thoughts? Quick prediction. 
play sidekick. I just take game game by game. But if you are sitting at that NBA executive office and you have seen the great playoffs that you've had, the only way to put the cherry on top of it, and I know it's redundant, but one, but you know what time it is. It would have to be the 40th meeting, Mike, whatever, how many meetings the Lakers and these guys have had, the 20th meeting, I don't know. But, yeah, nothing beats Boston, L.A., period, point blank. And that's what the league is driving towards. But you just can't keep doing Jokic like this. So I do understand the Nuggets and the Celtics um, final being somewhat attractive. To me, it doesn't matter who makes the finals this year. Everybody's going to tune in. There you have it, straight from the mouth, Pop DiBiase. A lot to look forward to if you're an NBA fan and a basketball fan. As the season comes to a close, uh, there's another quick storyline that's worth mentioning. How about the luck of the Spurs, man? I mean, this could be an epic situation where, you know, the baton is, is passed from the Admiral to Duncan to Frenchie, uh, even though it's Duncan's been retired for a while. But for a franchise to have that kind of fortune over like a 30-year period, pretty incredible, man. I, I can't say I know a lot about this Cats game, but supposedly he's the biggest prospect since LeBron James. He's already hanging out like a superstar, hanging out with Mbappe and, uh, and uh, some of the best uh, – French athletes in the world. Um, who was the other guy from the Spurs, the French guy? Uh, Tony Parker, etc. So this guy's got like a pretty big uh, swag to him, man. Do you know much about him? I know one thing. I know that they just want to – honestly, no, he's not the greatest prospect to ever walk into the NBA, dude. He's a, he's a guy from France that's seven foot five. That's like saying George Mirasan was the most anticipated prospect. He was seven seven. That's like saying Bradley was the most uh, most uh, pr- most uh, anticipated prospect because he was seven six. Height really doesn't matter. It's about your game for real. And I don't really know about a guy who averaged only fourteen and a half points in the third tier league of the situation that they were in. He left the good team because he wasn't doing much on the team to go play with the other team. Great players don't do that, Mike. I'm sorry. You know, that's like you saying, okay, I don't want to play for the AAA team. I'm going to go back to the rookie ball team. All right. That just means that you're not ready for the next level. I think if Wimby would have played some college basketball for us real quick and gave us a sample size of what he truly is, you can say that. So we can see it with our own eyes. Let's see him against American kids. I'll send you the te- I'll send you a video in a bit. But there's a young man by the name of Kenny Lofton Jr. who absolutely ate alive Wimby. The guy's only six foot five, but he's a big boy like Barkley, and he absolutely shredded that guy. So when you say that he's going to be this 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 big time player in the NBA, if you can't stop that. I don't know about being that big time. Why don't we just let the guy take it game by game at a time? And he's going to San Antonio at a time where they don't have the same type of players that David Robinson was blessed with and the same type of players that Tim Duncan was blessed with. Tim Duncan was blessed with David Robinson. So it's not the same. And then you got Pop, who's 30 years older than he was at that time. 
and he's literally on his last horses as is because he's not his coaching style is not conducive to today's NBA. And he's even admitted that as well, too. So it's going to be a good little teaching lesson and things like that. But I just say dial it back a little bit. This is not a phenomenal draft. And that's my point. So I uh, just to uh, put, put a bow on it, <laughs> I referred to I put a, I, I, I referred to him as Frenchie. Uh, Pop referred to him as Wemby. We're talking about Victor Wambanyama. I don't know if I pronounced that right. It's probably kind of close, but probably not uh, accurate. Uh, but this is the the 19-year-old Frenchman that we're talking about that's being dubbed a generational talent. And uh, Pop wants to see a little bit more out of him first before we can make that declaration. I think that's fair enough, Pop. Let's shift now to or back to horse racing. We got a, a quick moment before we have our final commercial timeout. But any any sense for... The cards this weekend, the Black Eyed Susan card tomorrow, and the Preakness card on Saturday. I found over the years that typically those have been kind of like a chalk player's dream. Uh, so not for me because it's been so chalky. But I see this year's cards as being pretty pretty wide open. Just a quick thought before we take our last break, Pop. Do you see it the same way that there could be some prices that pop for a big price? Well, Black Eyed Susan, you can get something at the Black Eyed Susan on a Friday. I had a nine to one a few years ago, Baffert horse that went off for me. She was a she was it was a weird situation, but the horse was with um Ruiz first, Shelby Ruiz and them first, and then they sent the horse over to Baffert. The horse wound up winning and uh winning the blue black eyed Susan. I think this was in two thousand eighteen. So yeah, that was a good one. Two thousand seventeen actually, horse went off at nine one. But yeah, you can go ahead and get some good numbers below that. I think that, you know, the preakness is always a race that you favors the well, of course it's gonna favor the horse that just won the Kentucky Derby. So a lot of people have the excitement of wanting to see that horse win. So it kind of messes up the the idea of who to bet. But with this group, he, the horse is taking on seven new uh, foes. So this is a really good betting race in a sense because you don't have 20 horses out there as well either. But the Black Eyed Susan might be everybody's fun bet because I think that you can get a, a good odds home there. But I think that Mage might be just too good for this field right now because the horse felt like it looked like it was really feeling good when it came out of uh, the Kentucky Derby. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it shakes out. Okay, let's take our final time out, and I'm going to come back and tell everybody why I think Baffert is going to sweep the weekend. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to be right back after a quick commercial timeout. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. 
From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. So before the commercial, I said that I was going to declare Baffert victorious over the weekend. He's got the morning line favorite in the black-eyed Susan. And I think this horse is going to be really, really tough to beat. This horse is five for five. She's done absolutely nothing wrong. I like her because she's also won at three different racetracks. Right? Del Mar, uh, Santa Anita, and what was the third one? Why am I blanking out on that? But trust me, she's one of three different racetracks, and so surfaces aren't an issue. Sometimes you have a horse that's horse for course. She's definitely asserted herself as the top three-year-old in this division, in my opinion. I think she's going to win hands down take it wire to wire and take that to the betting window in cash on Saturday. Yes. Mage is probably the more on paper. This looks like a mismatch. You know, I, I saw some people on Twitter saying that they felt that Mage should be one to five. But here's the thing, and you mentioned seven fresh shooters. We've seen fresh shooters come off the bench so many different times, Pop, and, and uh, you know, just uh, pull – I don't want to even say pull upsets. Just come from out of the clouds and win when nobody expected them to. I don't think you could ever see that about a Baffert horse. But keep something in mind. Three-year-olds, it's kind of like that whole year, consider it to be like the college years for a player. Like a three-year-old campaign for a horse is kind of like a player finishing high school and then coming out for the draft in whatever sport when they're 22 or 23. That's how the three-year-old year begins. That's how the three-year-old year ends. There's that kind of development over the course of that period of time. 
So the point I'm trying to make is if we're at the halfway mark of that year, horses that were coming in as high schoolers, let's just say, uh, are now halfway through and are different players than they were at the beginning of the year. And I think that's one of the big reasons why you see a lot of fresh shooters, new contenders come in and win. With that said, why not Baffert? I mean, this guy's dominated the triple crowd races, you know, in the 21st century, like you're talking about, and even in some of the part, uh, latter part of the 20th century. So am I going to take Mage and Mage's connections over Baffert and Johnny V? No. Uh, even though all due respect to Javier Castellano, I like him a lot. I'm happy that he won the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to go ahead and take the number one horse inside post position. I think should be favorable at Pimlico. I think, quite honestly, I think this horse takes it wire to wire. Just like Baffert's horse on Friday, it's going to be a stress-free weekend for Bob Baffert as he collects more paychecks and he sticks it to the racing community about any trash talking they've said about him. He's going to further solidify himself as the greatest trainer that uh, has ever trained a horse in my lifetime, Pop. One last thing I want to say. I think they will keep... Here's a key factor. If you remember, a lot of Baffert's horses switched barns, right? They went to Timiakteen. This is one horse that Baffert didn't let go. They've been eyeing this race because he wasn't going to be allowed to race in Kentucky. So if you're keeping a horse and the owners are keeping the horse with you, Bob Baffert, and this is the one, yeah, you bet your sweet ass, Baffert's going to be coming in and, and uh, winning the Black-Eyed Susan, taking that trophy going to feel real good about it coming into Saturday, and he's going to go back-to-back, man. That's my take on it. What are your quick thoughts on Bob Baffert before we talk baseball? Bobby! Bobby! You know what? Everybody has a little whatever is about Bob Baffert. I met Bob Baffert in the turf club. Not even turf club, but, you know, right below the turf club. Like, you know what I'm talking about. When you go upstairs, um, when you're over there in the turf area and everything like that on the other side of the track, not the infield, but where, you know, you can go get yourself one of those good, uh, famous, um, famous, uh, corned beef sandwiches. You know what I'm talking about, Mike, upstairs. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, the big one before you can walk upstairs and everything, you know, where you go walk to the, uh, to the, uh, grandstand and all that stuff. So, you know, Baffert comes over there and, he, it was so funny. I said, hey, good, nice to meet you, everything. And then, um, you know, he says, oh, what do you do? I said, well, you know, I'm a handicapper. And woo, woo, woo. And it was funny because the Panthers had just played the Broncos. And he said, you know what? Who did you have in the Super Bowl? I said, well, I was like everybody else. I was stupid. I had the Panthers. He said, yeah, there was a guy that came to us, and he was supposed to be this big time, you know, uh, 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 wise guy, he he knew all the betting and whatever, and he was like, "Take the Broncos," and we just laughed at him. And I was laughing. He's like, "I just didn't want to hear that guy," you know. But uh, it was so funny. Then um, you know, I started getting into what I was doing, and then he's like, "Do you got a car?" And I was like, "Nah, man." And I said, 
And he pulls out the biggest wad ever and pays for the sandwich, dude. And like, keep the tip. And it was like a hundred. So that's why I was like, Baffert's always good in my book because Baffert always takes takes care of my favorite usher, a brother that's a, that's been there for years and years. That's his. That whenever you see Baffert win a race at Santa Anita, that's the brother that walks him to the uh, to the winner's circle. So you know, Baffert really does look out for a lot at Santa Anita. That's why I'd be like, that's really the president of Santa Anita right there. So, you know, that's just me giving you guys a good story about Bob Baffert that he's just a he's he's just a regular person like the rest of us. But he has the best horses in the world, and you gotta keep the best horses in the world fit and in shape. And sometimes you gotta do some extra things. It is what it is. That's what all the champs do. Sorry, y'all. Sorry to break it to you. You sorry to break up your Yee Fury uh right now. None of them are clean. So, you know, at the end of the day. Bob Baffert has to send messages to the horse racing world and let them know I'm the reason why you still kicking. I'm the reason why you still in the ICU room and they still giving you a chance. I kept your sport relevant. I'm going to keep your sport relevant. So I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. So Baffert's going to bring his horses and Baffert's horses are going to get bet big and they're probably going to win. But I will say this, maids winning on Saturday will be the best thing for racing all year long because then it brings in the excitement of possibly winning the Belmont because we haven't had a horse like that in a few years that had the opportunity to win the Belmont. So I'm all in on Mays to win the uh win win the race on Saturday, Mike. There you go. Could be yep. an easy easy cold cock exacta ice cold Dave Weaver style. I do uh, like Treasure though. National Treasure's nice the one horse. I like National Treasure, but I just think that Mage is gonna just just open up really nicely at uh, Pimlico. Well, we like you said, historically speaking, the winner of the Derby, they're they're in such good fitness and good form that uh, that the Preakness almost ends up being kind of like a like a much easier race, and that's why we've seen so many horses heading into the Belmont looking to get that Triple Crown. Once you get over that Derby hurdle, you know it's. Uh, it's a lot simpler to coast to the Belmont Stakes, uh, having gone two for two for some reason. I think, like I said, I think it has a lot to do with the fitness of the horse. They're in tip-top shape. They're in good form cycle. They haven't peaked, yada, yada, yada. So uh, I could see where you're coming from, man. I just, I'm not sure that Mage is necessarily, um, you know, anything historically special. But that's why the race, the races pop. We'll see what happens on Saturday afternoon. It should be fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think the undercards um, have a chance to uh, pop some prices. So even if, if you single mage or if you single uh, uh, or if you go too deep maze, mage and national treasures uh, in the fourth leg of your pick fours or pick fives, I think you could still make some money. Uh, because I think but prior to the big races on each day, I think there's a chance for some long shot plays to come in. Pop, let's talk about uh, baseball teams that aren't supposed to be long shots, like the Padres, the Cardinals, who I guess are kind of turning things around a little bit, the White Sox, who we've been hearing about for years, having all this talent, the Mets, who have uh, one of the top three payrolls in all of baseball. There are some underperforming teams in baseball, and yet we see the Dodgers 
who people maybe cooled off on just a tad, they're back atop, atop the National League with the best record in the entire league. What's your take? Let's just start with the uh, Padres before we talk about the machine Dodgers. Well, I told you off top, but nobody wanted to listen that the Padres was going to have a slow start because their pitching was not there yet. Musgrove was still getting his arm together. Um, you Darvish was still recovering from the WBC. And I knew that one of these 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 vaunted hitters was going to get hurt. Machado's on the IR now. So they're underachieving, and I'm not surprised by it. I, as I said on my show today with Jeff, the Don of K. Cod, I told him that Padres were already a slow starter as is. I don't expect them to start really making any type of moves until um, mid-July. I think that they'll stay afloat, but they'll stay around but they're not going to catch the Dodgers. And literally, I never had them being better than the Dodgers this year either. I didn't have them winning over 92 games. I have them going under that. So I expected a lot of these things with the Padres. So I'm not surprised why the Padres aren't playing up to their capability. 20 and 24, it's because you guys just aren't a good team. Just dropped two or three to one of the worst teams in baseball in the Royals. So it happens, Mike. It happens. But the Dodgers, right informed out. I told you that we weren't going to have a great first month because we have to figure out who we are. Once we once we got the wake-up call with the Mets and the Cubs, the Dodgers have been good ever since. And yes, Dustin May just went to the IR the other day, but that's okay because we got reserves on the way as we speak. So the Dodgers, I'm not worried about a damn thing with the Dodgers. The Dodgers, like you just said, Mike, they are a machine. And they, they are an absolute machine, but, man. They just keep on cranking out wins, cranking out prospects, keep cranking out guys who deliver. It's like really crazy, man. They are doing something right for sure. As the Red Sox have got it together too, Mike. Let's not forget that. Even though they still they they only last place, AL East is an absolute monster right now. Every one of those teams is in first place if they wasn't in that division. It's a, it's a crazy thing, man. I, I don't think I've seen a division all this many games above five hundred this far into the season. Pretty remarkable. We'll have to talk some AL East next week because we got to wrap up the show real quickly before before all the fantasy players go up in arms. Manny Machado has not yet officially been placed on, on the injured list. So he's got a fractured hand, but they think he can avoid the IL. I don't know. We'll see. Just want to let, let everybody know before they start screaming at us. In fact, I'm a Manny Machado uh, fantasy holder as well. So right when you said that, Pop, I went straight to a couple of different sources to see, oh, please don't tell me that's the case. Anyways, that's all the time we have for this week's show, everyone. As always, thank you to Voice America. Thank you to my name, man, Jordan, for coming in, pitch hitting, doing an incredible job today. Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to you, Pop DiBiase. And, of course, most of all, thank you to you, the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.